What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Latin Spining. My name is Denise Gonzalez. For those who do not know me, for those who do, welcome again, guys. It's so nice to be here on a beautiful Monday. I hope everybody is having an amazing beginning of the week. I know I have, and I hope everybody is staying productive. I see already that we have Jose, Morena, Rakim, Christina already started the chat. Thank you guys for being here. I know this is a very special stream that I am doing with a person that it's like family to me. And I admire very, very much, not only because of his talents as a screenwriter, as an actor, as a plant enthusiast, because of the person that he is. And I want to share um, how amazing he is with all of you guys. And I invited him here to discuss many topics and mainly because of something that brings us together which is the love that we have for our beautiful island, Puerto Rico. So without any further ado, guys, I want to introduce a person that I love very much, which is I consider more than a friend. And that is the one, the only Jacob Fuentes. What's up, Jacob? What's up? Hello. How you doing? I am excellent. How about you? Doing great. It's a nice foggy day, so it's kind of like nice to stay home and just chill out. <laughs> Absolutely. It's getting cold here in California. I don't know. I mean, I know I have a lot of people here um, that are also my cyber friends that love the cold, but as Puerto Ricans, we don't like the cold. Having a, I'm having a really hard time with it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. To us, this is winter. Contrary to popular opinion, this is winter. Yeah, folks. it's technically okay. not. I mean, it's it's. <clears throat> we're complaining a lot, but <clears throat> it's like what, like fifty something or sixty something. But it's like that's a lot to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not even winter. I can't imagine living in a place where it's like snowing. Oh my God! It's snow to us. It's like basically holy water on a vampire. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> It's like trying to baptize a cat. I know, yeah. that's ridiculous. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. But, Jacob, uh, for the people that don't uh, know you, that are here, um, uh, you know, to see who you are in the interview, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, um, basically, I'm a Puerto Rican actor. I basically just uh, studied and did my bachelor's degree in acting back home. I worked for quite a couple of years before I moved to California to pursue the career over here. I took a master's in acting as well and film production, but I've mostly been like, like a self-taught filmmaker as well. When I was in Puerto Rico, I did uh, plenty of short films that won uh, awards in the like national festivals. Um, pretty much I was mostly self-taught. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I'm an actor. I, right now I moved to California. I've been living here for like seven years total, I think at this point. Um, and I work in a plant shop because I am a plant addict. Yeah. And it's just kind of like <laughs> a nice spot to, <laughs> to be in and earn some money with a good flexibility in case something comes up in the meantime. Absolutely, because we know that uh, actors are not unemployed. They're just between gigs. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of gigs, I know that you guys did a play yesterday. You just came from doing like this massive it's, play. It was that a you short guys put film, together. Yeah. 
and I know you probably are exhausted, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Jacob, um, one thing that, you know, I started this channel mainly because of, you know, the, the experiences that people like ourselves uh, experience when coming into the United States, either it's financially or because we made mistakes because we don't know the way of the land yet. Uh, we come from places in Latin America that, you know, don't have the same systems that we have here in the U.S. And also because I wanted to share that journey with people and also bring awareness of what we can do as a collective to move forward. Um, and one thing that I have focused on also is the politics surrounding our people, especially in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, I touched base on what happened with the mayor of Catano and other different mayors um, in Puerto Rico that are involved in this uh, corruption scheme. You know, and and it's it's something that you know. I don't know if you heard the news. I know you had the chance mm -hmm. to read the diamond on yeah. Felix Cano Delgado. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we discussed a little bit about what's going on and whatnot. And I wanted to ask you, like, what's your opinion regarding uh, what you would say as a Puerto Rican that had to leave simply because, first of all, but let's start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Why as you know, uh, such a talented actor like yourself, uh, you have you were forced to move out of our beautiful island to come to the United States? uh to you know continue your career out here what was your your initial motivation to do that well i mean the primary thing that uh made me want to go away is basically just because i wanted a change i wanted um to try different waters and obviously that it's not you know the act as if you want to be an actor the main in the main industry like the most work the most opportunities are going to be over here um so that's one of the, the primary reasons but generally um unfortunately acting in puerto rico is very difficult to break into it's very um not entirely sure how the english word would be but like cuesta arriba you know it's just like it's an uphill battle oh that's it <laughs> uh it's an uphill sort of battle more or less like most there are hardly i don't think there's like any agencies if there are, there are very, very few. There are more like casting agencies mm -hmm. um, that you know you have to like get to know, and and mostly the only work that you are able to get as an actor mm -hmm. is uh, commercial work, which is great because com commercial work pays really well. But if you want to like have a career, you have to be either you know like know somebody for who's already working, like one of the basically big five or whatever, you know, those old acting actors that are still working to this day and their children are continuing the work. Um, it's, it's just so closed and it's very hard to break into as a new actor. Um, also education, I feel like I don't, it's, it's, it's different things. You know what I mean? Like I can't say it's like education is bad, but like the education I received in college, wasn't up to par to what I was expecting. It's it, it, it just, I felt like I, I graduated and I felt like I wasn't ready still to, if I went to go into a movie set, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's um, basically so I just felt, Yeah, so I just felt like, I felt like I needed structure, I needed technique. And in Puerto Rico, as far as I know, obviously I left Puerto Rico several years ago. 
Um, but when I left, there wasn't like you weren't taught techniques. You weren't taught like um, you know you weren't taught Meisner. You weren't taught uh, Lee Strasberg. You weren't taught uh, Stella Adler. You weren't taught a technique to work from. You were just taught uh, to act for theater, or whatever, or just film and. It was just very general and I didn't like I felt like I needed more training I needed more con like you know uh, more work done as an actor yeah. so that's another reason why I had to leave um, and thankfully I did receive it I did receive like training on techniques uh, there's so much like places to go like workshops going on all the time uh, that teach you like a correct way oh, or just a way to act and then you know you just find the one that works right for you where in puerto rico i really couldn't find that and yeah. it's just it's just so hard to break into the industry i, I like I, I i mean i managed to work you yeah. know what i mean i if i i'm pretty sure that if i would have stayed i would probably have like a good decent career because i managed to work with like one of the top working actors back home you know what yeah. i mean but i yeah. just like wanted a little bit more yeah, yeah, and not only that, like uh, it's not, not even that you you were taught by people that are known in Latin America, well known mm -hmm. in Latin America, which is how we came to know each other through one mm -hmm. of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. You know? So <laughs> you know that's what started our friendship. Um, so basically, you know that's that's another thing that unfortunately you know we can relate uh, with each other because you know my field is sound. And you know how it is, you know how mm -hmm. the industry treat us in Puerto Rico. Yep. So, you know, basically it's like a guerrilla mm -hmm. uh, type of uh, industry right now. And it's something that it, it's so crazy because I was talking on my previous interview with the Lion Man, basically, when he went through every avenue, every single avenue, not only governmental, but private, mm -hmm. to actually... Uh, go for his freelance journalism career and they didn't have the money to actually help him with that. They didn't have any avenues designed to help him with that. And he had to start it himself from ground zero. Mm -hmm. And I think that is for the most part is what every field right now is, is like in Puerto Rico because pretty much, you know, yeah, because look, my family, you know, there's 11 educators and you know, they're earning, underneath i think that the highest earning one is my mom and she's still making under three thousand dollars a month oh, you Jesus. know and she yeah. has her master's and she has uh she's on the on the road for her phd to finish her phd and you know you know it, it's something that it's insane it's not livable wages you know it it's not something you can live up you know your life and mm -hmm. even if you get a second job sometimes that's not enough Mm -hmm. And and you bring up the education system, and it, it brings me back to uh, what has been going on for several decades with our education system, not only in schools from kindergarten all the way to high school, but also with the University of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. The University of Puerto Rico has been going through like a lot of strikes. And all the time is because they don't want to put funds on it. They don't, they want to, you know, raise the cost of education for people. And it's not like this pristine education that you get out of also. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's crazy that, you know, in, and I can even talk for myself because when I was going for uh, sound engineering, we had to sometimes even fix 
ourselves the equipment to be able to take a class, mm -hmm. which at that point, you know, it was beneficial for us, obviously, because it gives you a hands-on uh, kind of um, experience while learning. So, but at the same time, that's not supposed to happen. Exactly. So, you know, I wanted to ask you because often people only hear me here on my channel, only hear me talking about what's going on in Puerto Rico. And what would you say is one of the biggest problems that's creating this, uh, you know, almost perfect storm, like a dystopia in La Isla del Encanto? Um, I feel like from what I experienced growing up over there, it's just money is not going where it should be you know what i mean teachers are not getting paid hence education is you know obviously if you don't get paid you're like well whatever i'll just do the bare minimum because i'm not going to be paid to do extra you know unless you're one of those you know teachers that love to work and you know don't mind doing it but then i feel like the the government and the system just takes advantage of people like them and over time they just get crumpled down because they realize how much work they put into the, like whatever they were doing and they were just not getting paid enough for it yeah. um and like obviously like government officials just take all that money that should be allocated to do actual things to either pay employ like teachers more to pay like public school and, and public education more for like for them to have like actual working materials and, and things that actually work um so i just feel like there's definitely like money is going it's getting funneled into the wrong places and not being put to good use yeah yeah absolutely i agree with you and i'm speaking of putting money where it belongs to and i believe it was 2018 uh and this is something that you know kind of felt like a like a bullet to a degree because we know for a fact that a lot of people has been in in entertainment in puerto rico has been trying to push for us to unite and form something that's you know, basically like our Puerto Rican Hollywood. And it's not happening anytime soon because we always get pushed back or sent to request funds from tourism or be sent to the Corporación de Cine. And we know that's a rigged system. Um, I can speak for myself. I was working, putting together a, a small production, a, small, uh, a very small, not a very small, but like a film with like this micro budget and it turns out that after we submitted everything that we needed to submit, uh, it went to the movie 200 Letters, uh, 200 Cartas. And, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's something that I'm like, uh, why would they need that? And the movie did not even do anything because it doesn't break through in the, in the American market or even the European market or Asian market whatsoever. So eventually, you know, it's kind of crippling the whole uh, entertainment in Puerto Rico. But then in 2018, uh, the former disgrace, your favorite governor, Jacob. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> your favorite governor decided to fund this uh, American slash Canadian company called Sinclair to actually have a film district and, you know, start in Puerto Rico and establish themselves there and start filming things uh, using Puerto Rican crew and among other things. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think... How did you, did, if you ever, did you find out about that, those news or, you know, this is the first time you're hearing it or, and also I want to know, how do you feel about that? The fact that our own government is backstabbing 
uh, Puerto Rican industries from becoming uh, great? I, it's it's kind of like a bittersweet sort of thing because I. Obviously, you know, I, I don't mind that foreign companies come or just like, you know, American or whatever company from other countries come into mm -hmm. the to Puerto Rico and produce work for us. Um, that's not necessarily a problem. The problem that I do find it's that foreign companies are taken as a priority versus as a secondary thing. It's like, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. should be investing in our companies in, in, in making sure that people who want to open it like uh, studios or want to open up anything in like industry related, those Puerto Ricans should be given the priority to that money. And that people who come from out of state, like out of like out of, you know, from the United States or whatever, they take second step. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like they're trying to bring in people in, trying to attract Puerto Rico uh, as an attractive place to like, you know, film and and produce movies. But they're, they're like in the process. They're forgetting about it. Like they're forgetting about us. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like having, you know, trying to make sure that you're trying to adopt children and you want to bring children into your into your like family. But then you're forgetting about your own children that are like suffering and trying to do things. And you're just giving all your attention to like people who just came in now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I feel like that's a problem. Like yeah. the, the Puerto Rican people should take be taken as a priority as far as allocating funds towards filmmaking. Because if we start making more movies, then, you know, the industry is just going to also happen. Like people will want to work with us, not necessarily take advantage of us, which is what's like it's happening right now. Yeah, basically our own government prostitutes us. <laughs> <laughs> basically. You know, yeah, it, it's something that's so backwards, like, you know, kind of like what we're seeing right now uh, in the U.S. with this people working for everybody but Americans. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I would say, you know, I know you grew up in Carolina, Puerto Rico, and, you know, I had the opportunity to go with Millennium Night. Uh, for the first time this past September, we coincided um, visiting Puerto Rico at the same time, by the mm -hmm. way. And um, I took him to Carolina and I was surprised because when I left, Carolina did not look anything close to what it looks like today. Um, how was it uh, growing up in such an epicenter for so many different, you know, movements? Like, as much as people like to talk shit about reggaeton, but that is the home where reggaeton was brewed and, and you know, mass produced for the world. And mm -hmm. that put Carolina in the spotlight today. Mm -hmm. uh, how was it for you growing up in that subculture that means so much uh, to us today and that we're seeing all around the world with people like Bad Bunny, Anuel AA, Osuna, Daddy Yankee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, how did it felt? growing up surrounded by the actual culture they were singing about well it's kind of weird because like when i was growing up i really wasn't listening to much of reggaeton i was kind of like a rocker kid but you know reggaeton was all around me it's you know i i it was just like um i don't know i feel like my town is was an epicenter for so many things that i feel like right now it's just basically just gone i know that most i think if i'm not mistaken like most of the pharmaceutical industry was in carolina and in, 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 in like old town yeah um but i don't know it was just it, it was it was nice it was an experience you know what i mean growing in the middle of everything like most of the uh, my mom used to go to like parties and met 
a lot of these reggaetoneros when they were like coming up because like um el caserio that was that knew a lot of them is was like i don't know like 10 minutes away from my house mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it, it was a lot obviously back then it was also a little bit dangerous um there was a lot of like shootings and stuff happening and yeah. you know it was just very rough but i never actually felt unsafe or anything like that. i walked my like from my house to to school and and took the public transportation and everything um so i don't know it was kind of nice i guess looking back and seeing that i grew up in the epicenter of all of it yeah and and you and also you live through the whole thing which mm-hmm. is something that sometimes when we see this uh seniors and all these kids now rapping like <laughs> you know they don't like y'all don't know anything okay we grew up yeah, seeing no. these people like literally singing in like the most weird and questionable venues mm-hmm. to be there on was a lot of concerts right i don't remember which well, I, I don't remember the name of El Caserio, but it's like right next to like a McDonald's. And I remember a lot of the concerts happened there. That place was yeah. like super. I think one of the like one of the like it, it, one of the Daddy Yankee videos was shot in that uh, like Caserio. I think that's the is that the I don't remember they're demolishing one. now. There's there's a Caserio that is being demolished right now. I think so. Uh, when I went back, when I went past it, I think it was empty. Yeah, yeah. There, the, I. Oh my God, I don't want to say it's Villa. No, it's not Villa España. No, Luis Jordan uh, Torre or Torre de Sabana. It's not Torre, Torre de Sabana. Torre de Sabana. I think Torre so, de yeah. Sabana is being destroyed right now, and mm-hmm. it literally, if you follow uh, Bad Bunny, which is the most recent, uh, you know, mainstream kind of reggaeton slash trap singers right now. Um, I think he did a video with Arcángel called "Tú no vives así." In Torres mm-hmm. de Sabana. Most likely. So it's, yeah. The, it's an icon place. Yeah, it's an iconic place. I even saw uh, this video that was circulating in like, you know, Puerto Rican spaces on Instagram when this dude felt like, you know, he was hurt and he went over there just to play a Don Omar song <laughs> because, like, oh my God, I need to honor what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> So definitely, you know, that's something that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of caserios are closing down. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it uh, happening in Guaynabo, and now it's happening in Carolina. Carolina is getting gentrified. Oh, yeah, for you sure. You know, left and right. With I think it all started, and you give me your opinion. I think it all started with the construction of the Mall of San Juan. That was the beginning of the end because it's still considered San Juan, but it's like literally right before you enter Carolina. Do you feel the same way? Do you think that was the first step towards that, or you think most it was likely? Something- I mean, anytime a big American company comes, like there's definitely like a shift into the culture that's surrounding the place, because uh, you can even see it here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in in areas where predominantly it was Latino or just like people of color. Uh, once it becomes hip and it becomes like interesting, a lot mm-hmm. of white people start to move in and everything starts to like change up what it used to be. And I feel like, yeah, that's most likely what was happening. Because like Carolina, it's also like, you know, unless it's it's very like, and I probably not a lot of people know, but like the airport is in Carolina. Yeah. So also the, the airport getting sold and getting privatized probably influenced a little bit into it. Plus you have Isla Velde right there, which is a very tourist, touristic area. Um, that's getting a lot of hype in Isabel. It's also part of Carolina. So, you know, I think over time now that reggaeton, it's also a lot more popular and, you know, people are just like, there's definitely been a shift going on Absolutely. in my hometown. It definitely Absolutely. felt different this time around. 
Yeah, it did. I was like, oh my God. Like when I was driving through it, I was like, how Jacob must be feeling? Like this is not how we remember Carolina being. You know, it used mm -hmm. to be completely different. Yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it was wrapped so much by so many people that also created, you know, part of that hype. And mm -hmm. people started paying more attention to Carolina. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, I don't know. I think it 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 has. It's kind of like what I always uh, make jokes of uh, AOC, which is like the micro and the macro. Well, it's it's like the micro and the macro, the good and the bad. Exactly. Uh, that comes with you know gentrification. Now, mm -hmm. one thing I would say is you know, unfortunately, uh, in Carolina, it was a positive thing to a degree because it was also people from Carolina participated or benefited to a degree from seeing their hometown being put in the spotlight and evolve. But there's many places in Puerto Rico right now that are under gentrification, but at the expense of natural resources. We mm -hmm. saw it happening with the outskirts of our national forest, El Yunque. Mm -hmm. We saw it happening in Playa Los Almendros in Rincón, mm -hmm. uh, when they were building this infinity pool on top of the sea. Uh, we saw it on Ocean Park when they're building, literally they underwater approved a permit to actually have that building uh, that's going to be a mansion right there in the middle of the sea with a private beach for these rich people <laughs> that are moving in, uh, gentrifying that area as well. Jesus, so, yeah. so what are your thoughts? You know, I know you're a plan enthusiast and, you know, you have... Literally, those are your babies. I've seen them. They're absolutely stunning mm -hmm. uh, to see your collection. And you love, you know, nature and you like to feel connected to Earth in that way. How, you know, what are your thoughts when you see natural resources being demolished in such a mindless way and, and with the lack of planning that is being done right now? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I just feel like it's obviously it's you know it's very disgusting because like we we are living in a tropical island where the flora and fauna are like a primal you know it's a very important thing about who we are, um, and just destroying destroying our ecosystem will like I don't I just I feel like we're living in a place and I feel like that's more of a also generational thing that comes from people from like our parents time or like our grandparents time that they just build on top of things without a consciousness about what's being done or how this will affect the future of like your children or just like you know what I mean if you build in places where you're not supposed to build and you don't or if you want to and you don't build it right the earth at some point it's going to take over as we've seen with past hurricanes, like, you know, the, the all nature and like plant life just basically takes a huge toll when we get hurricanes. But in like a couple of months, it's back to normal. Yeah. That just goes to show that no matter what we do, the earth will take power of what it, if, if what it has. It, it will try to take back ownership of what we're trying to take. And that's going to affect, you know, if you build a house in like, it's like what happened in Miami. You know what I mean? Like if you build something on top of a place and you don't build it right, it's going to collapse over some time. And now the ocean, it's also, you know, the oceans are rising. So it's, you know, the ocean has been taking a lot of the coastline and us trying to fight it is just not going to work. I've seen so many countries where people just build alongside nature 
and it always ends up being fine. You know what I mean? We just need to have a shift as as how we're building and try to respect nature as much as possible. Because we live in an island. We don't live in a place where we can build endlessly. Yeah. At some yeah. point, it has to stop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, we're seeing it with the garzos are being like, sh like little chiseled down. Mm -hmm. uh, they're destroying even caves, natural caves that have been there for thousands, thousands of, of years. years yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it's like we can't seem to stop it. And one agency, something that I wanted to share is that one agency that is in charge of doing that, and we have discussed it here many, many times, is the Departamento de Recursos Naturales, the DRNA. Mm -hmm. And I even encourage when the Playa Los Almendros disaster was happening with the infinity pool, I encourage people and, and brought them the information to actually file an actual complaint with the DRNA in puerto rico and we saw how it was stopped but many people started questioning machargo which is the actual secretary of this department he's the head of the department and literally thanks to a leon fiscalizador the lion man that we had here he collected a lot of pictures that i want to share with you guys of the state of the agency that regulates how puerto rico is being destroyed right now mm -hmm. and they are the ones that are supposed to use the resources that the taxpayers money has funded to actually stop this from happening and this is one uh these are their literally their main offices in san juan i'm gonna have it um while we're talking about this uh airing in on the side so we can discuss what we're seeing you know, he literally went in there, the lion man went in there and started taking uh, pictures about how abandoned the vehicles are. Uh, and we're talking about dozens and dozens of official vehicles, uh, a whole building. We have boats, you know, Hummers. We have all kinds of machinery, trucks, trailers, everything just basically abandoned uh, all together with the building as if we were in like what uh the walking dead episode like a walking dead episode um what are your thoughts on you know the diligence that the drna is taking when it comes to like our natural resources and how they're literally not lifting a finger especially the leader machado is, is basically doing like a lot of corruption because there's not a lot that can be done from a small level mm -hmm. uh what is the department actually doing right now like what are your thoughts about this horrible administration of this department by Machargo right now i am not entirely sure what is happening i feel like they like i don't know if they're actually getting funded how they should be getting because most of these vehicles are given to them by the federal government if i'm not mistaken and mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, some of the vehicles are just, like, lost because they don't have the parts or they don't have ne the, the necessary funds to fix most of those vehicles. Um, and after Maria, I think the big, the big uh, like, damage, per se, because I remember that building mm -hmm. way back when. And it was, like, you know, it functioned. It was fine. But then Maria definitely took a heavy toll on it. And they just haven't had the, the, the funds to fix it. I feel like this really does start at the very 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 top if the government doesn't give the necessary funding for these uh governmental agencies to properly allocate them and start fixing things they just have to prioritize other things yeah you know what yeah. i mean i feel yeah. like the i feel like the government should definitely just keep again i feel like the wrong people are taking the wrong money and not using it for the right things 
because this government it's like the only people can do only as much as they are able to as with the money that they are given and i feel like yeah. the department of 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 um recursos naturales is just probably not getting as much money as it should be uh i don't know exactly how much the you know the agency receives and how that the the person at the top is allocating that money but i feel like all these things are just not being put into place and you see that everywhere though you know what i mean there are lots of like governmental offices that just don't that just look terrible you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and it's it's basically what we were talking about um you know the same thing with the department of education the mm -hmm. same thing is happening with the police i don't know if you saw um the blue flu episodes that are happening in puerto rico right now <laughs> Uh, where when there, whenever there's like a special uh, weekend in the month, the police is doing a strike and closing down precincts and staying at home uh, because they don't want to uh, actually, you know, they want to take their retirement away. They don't mm -hmm. have, they have expired vests, light vests. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of them have bicycles or horses and that's what they're riding now the most because the cars are Don't breaking work. down mm -hmm. uh you know there's so many things there's a lot of expired things that the police are working with and to be honest with you uh with the drna the department of natural resources i think in my opinion mm -hmm. if we're seeing from the the head of the department if we're seeing his disregard for actual natural resources i can bet literally my left eye that somewhere along the lines he must be embezzling that money somehow mm -hmm. you know there is no yeah. way in hell because we know for sure that the staff at the drna is is underpaid mm -hmm. you know just like cops are just like teachers are just like every other department uh you know that offers a public service is underpaid right now mm -hmm. nobody gets paid over three or four thousand dollars a month nobody yeah. Yeah. You know, unless you're like a higher up. Uh, mm -hmm. So definitely, you know, do you do you feel the same? Do you think that that Machago could be involved with uh, also some kind of corrupt scheme or you think, you know, it's simply just the, the funding that is not getting there? I, I it could be a lot of those things to be perfectly honest because what we've seen like the trend that we have been seeing for several years is that all people in the higher ups like at the very very freaking top of the governmental mm -hmm. agencies have something or other that uh, are embezzling money or people are taking bribes or people are taking doing this and that you know what I mean I feel like it, it's a definite possibility it's something that we cannot rule out just from what we've seen so far you know if yeah. the government is, 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 if there's so much corruption going on in the government, which we've seen people are, you know, what, what, what you're, uh, what the governor of, of Catania just happened, you know what I mean? If that's happening mm -hmm. there, it's definitely happened everywhere else. It's, it's, there's no doubt. I feel like, um, from what we were speak, like speaking about, it's just, there, there probably needs to be like an audit. There, there needs to be like a whole, like revolt to a certain extent not not necessarily yeah. the revolt it's not the right word but there needs to be an like, uprising a, a shake-up yeah there needs to be a shake-up of how things are being done because the money is there from what we've seen because like mm -hmm. even the the luma president is making an insane amount of money oh so like God. if there's an insane amount of money rolling around for 
for individuals, that money cannot be, can, can be allocated for other things. To actually pay employees who are actually doing the work and putting in the effort into creating, you know, into keeping the country running, not just somebody at the very top who just likes to sit around and not do anything. Absolutely. And and speaking of Luma, that's another topic that I have, um, you know, spoken about here, like plenty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen how, you know, the power goes on and off throughout the day, at least two, three times for every uh, citizen. Right now, I just got off the phone with my father just before starting this. And, you know, uh, he just told me everybody's just running their uh, generators because there's no power. <laughs> there's literally no power. Um, and I remember when I asked my mom, Hello, you want sorry, a mother's I kind gift? of missed you. Give me oh, a second. Sorry. So I asked my mom at some point, you know, do you want a mother's day gift or you want a generator? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Give me one second, guys. Can you hear me, Denise? I cannot yeah. listen. I can't hear yeah, I you. can hear you. Can you hear Give me? Give me a second. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to uh, continue while Jacob gets his um, his audio connected. But I just got off the phone. And, and to be honest with you, like I said, I had to. That was the, the uh, Mother's Day gift that I gave my mother simply because I knew that, you know, the power was not coming on um, anytime soon. Give me one second, guys. Well, Jacob is going to take care of some uh, technical issues. While Jacob comes back, I'm going to continue talking about, you know, what's going on with Luma. Luma Energy, as I discussed here before, uh, right now we have uh, Mr. Stensby, the CEO, is doing... Can you hear me now? Yep. Sorry, my bad. Uh, no, no problem. That's technology for you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we were discussing the whole situation with Luma and its CEO making $1.5 million per year in a bankrupt, in an island that's in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. You know, we have his, his CFO is making half a million dollars a year and every other uh, executive is making at least a quarter of a million dollars per year. And that's coming out of the Puerto Rican hardworking people's pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on Luma? Do you think we should have kept the Autoridad de Energía Eléctrica? Do you think we should have just put the money into improving the Autoridad de Energía Eléctrica? Or we should have created a Puerto Rican option for it? Or you think Luma was the way to better our power grid? No, I feel like we should have like put the money into creating... Like, I, I am definitely for options because, like, even here in California, there are options of what, like, power company you want to use, even though there are not many. But there's options because if you give the power to just one single person, they can do whatever they want, you know, and that's very problematic. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I mean, there's just, like, there needs to be the whole electric, like, electricity. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? God damn. 
he's gonna come back. But um, while Jacob comes back, um, I do agree with him. Like I do think we should have had um, definitely uh, more options when it comes to uh, our power grid. But we're seeing, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but this happened in Puerto Rico before also uh, with a French company. I believe it was in the 90s. I think if Maceo or Ramon remember, but there was a French company that took over the, the water company and did the same thing. Okay. Now oh, my God. Sorry. I'm just getting calls and it's, I think, an interrupting the, oh, the, yeah. the stream. Kind of like cuts you off. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, so yeah, you were so, saying about the options. Yeah. I feel like there should be options, but like the whole electrical, electrical system needs to be fixed. And we had the chance when Maria happened, you know, people were talking about having, um, uh, like uh, solar powers being being an option for yeah, for people, I believe which Elon was Musk great. Did a, Elon Musk yeah. did a, uh, he suggested that he wanted to help Puerto Rico contribute, but just you know put the Tesla lithium batteries mm -hmm. and exactly. stuff like that, in. and they rejected him. By the way, of the Puerto Rican did. government rejected him. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, it's like I don't understand. No. Like I don't understand all that train of thought. Like why? It's an i. It's it, it it's an it's an island. We have endless sun. We don't have seasons. That's basically all we have is sun. Like I don't understand why that couldn't have been an option to to try to fix it. Yeah, I don't understand. And I was talking to the people before uh, you came back that there was a French company in the nineties that did the same thing with the Autoridad de Alcantarillados, the water company. Mm -hmm. And they basically did the same thing. They came in to line their pockets with money and charge for weekends for everything and squeeze every penny out of us. And they didn't do anything. And mm -hmm. I see that another Puerto Rican here from Puerto Rico, uh, it's part of the Latin explaining family. He's commenting here lo que yo estaba diciendo que la isla necesita opciones de proveedores de servicio. And he also said, Sí, lo que pasó con Acueductos y la compañía francesa que no hizo un carajo. You know, basically after that, they just left and left the, the water company worse than when they took it over. So yeah. do you think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Luma Energy? Do you think this is just to benefit? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, the dude is making an insane amount of money. That's just, there's no reason why that man should be earning the amount of money he's earning there's just no way there's no reason no reason whatsoever he's earning more than the governor that's insane <laughs> look he's earning more than joe biden do you know that that's insane that's insane yeah. there's just no way there's no way yeah and just... like, you know there should be options yes but it should have been a, like a like a, a puerto rican born company now not something coming from the outside yeah. Now, one thing that we're seeing is that we have our governor, Pedro Pierluisi, your favorite, your second favorite governor, Jacob. <laughs> your governor that's, you know what's so cringeworthy when he called himself a jibaro? Mm. You know, when he, he called mm -hmm. himself a jibaro, you know, a jibaro that loves the U.S. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, and, yes, darling, yes. <laughs> And he said that basically he, at the beginning, he was literally telling people, and that's something that I hate about this governor specifically, because mm -hmm. he likes to just keep, you know, twisting the knife little by little, and you don't realize how much he wants to wound you. Um, he started by saying, um, 
that if there was some stuff with the contract that's 895 pages, I only read literally 600 of them and it took me months to do so. Um, and in that contract, a lot of people said there's irregularities. There's a lot of things that are illegal. There's a lot of things that are going against everything that the law establishes for a power company and also for a, you know, an, an APP, an alliance between the uh, public and private sector. Mm -hmm. And what he said at that time was, if the contract can always be revisited and changed. And when people started, you know, um, asking him questions about the horrible uh, budget that Luma Energy had for its uh, corporate, you know, higher ops, he basically said that there was no problem with that. <laughs> You know, sure. <laughs> he basically said that there was no problem with that. And, you know, among other things that we've seen Pedro Pierluisi do, uh, mm -hmm. what do you think? What are your thoughts about Pedro Pierluisi? Uh, do you support him? Um, do you think he was our best option? Uh, you know, what what's your general thought about our current governor right now? Um, I don't know. I would say the best option. Maybe it was probably like the least worst. <laughs> um but i i don't know i just feel like we need to there needs to be a change in the, the way that we're doing the parties and the votings just because like we need somebody who's going to be looking out for puerto rico and making sure that our country's best interests are being met not necessarily appealing to the united states which i feel like it's obviously because he's part of the the uh, PNP, they're looking to they're looking to try to be part of the United States and be a state. He's trying to find a way to like appeal to them and bring more Americans into the, the into the like storyline, bring more American companies and just let them do whatever they want. Just because he's trying to be like a good boy, I guess. Yeah, I I feel like he thinks that, and that's that's the sentiment of the new Progressive Party in Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know, the, I feel like the sentiment is like the more we bend over for American corporations, the the closest it will be for us to be living in like a state. Mm -hmm. But it, it's never happening. And and they have been campaigning all these years with nothing has the, happened. The, the dream of statehood. But nowhere. We're nowhere near that. Now nope. um I wanna ask you, um did you do you support statehood? Are you uh, do you support independence or you support the, the current status that we have? What are your thoughts on that if you want to disclose it? Yeah, I mean, I like for many years, I was pro state. Like, I wanted to be part of the United States because I felt like that was, that was that was going to be the best option. But after living here for several years, I'm like, I realized that, you know, that's never going to happen. The United States does not view people of color very well um and they don't consider us and we've seen it from like time and time again that we are treated as sec a second class citizens so i feel like if you don't want to let us in fine just let us go because the current status that we have does not work at all you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely we, and i'm like at this point i'm like just let us be ourselves let let us be our own thing let us be our own country and let's just figure it out you know what i mean it's going to be rough because from what we've seen the current government the current the current the current government is just allocating the money to for the higher ups is there's a lot of corruption 
So there needs to be an upheaval about it. About it, we need to be as a country. As as a country, the people have been very vocal about when we see when we see things wrong, we call it out and we make a fix. That's why you know Prosejo was taken out of the office. Your we favorite, were like, your favorite governor. Exactly, and then we we're like, <laughs> no, we're not gonna have this person here. He's not, you know, he shouldn't be running our office. Bye bye. You know what I mean? And for some reason, people, can, I, can, I, can, I still can't believe he tried to be a part of the Los Cabalderos or whatever that was. Los Cabalderos, the lobbyists oh I can't believe he, for statehood. He was, yeah, I can't believe he wanted to be part of that when he no, was just They allowed him. They allowed him. Yeah, I know. So. You know, that that's, that's the... Like, my heart cannot sink any lower, okay? <laughs> just mm -hmm. like, I'm like, when are we going to get... Like, Ricky Rosselló is like herpes. You yeah. know, when you are forgetting all about it, he pops up back again. He's like that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like he's like COVID-19. When you think we're getting out of this, he, hey, here, I'm, I'm back. Omicron virus. <laughs> oh mm -hmm. So one thing um, I want to discuss. Um, so now you're you went from, uh, you know, uh, from being pro statehood to now. What do you believe? Uh, do you think, well, you think now that we should be more independent and more sovereign, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, and that is, I think that is the path for most of us millennials. Like we, all of us, and I'm guilty of that too. Like we believe that statehood was the way, there is no way that we could re-educate a lot of people into just, you know, not well, I mean, we, on certain you also, things. Yeah, you have to think about also, like when we were growing up, uh, it was a whole different time. Like the backlash that we're seeing now was not happening. Like, you know, Puerto Rico was in a good place financially, I think, for a long time when we were growing up in the 90s. Like, there was a lot of money. There was a lot of buildings being constructed. There was a lot of things happening. And over time, we started seeing why, like, the backlash from of the things that we were doing just started to show up. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like we were blind to what was, happen to what was happening in the moment. Um, so maybe that's why we were probably like, just like, yeah, let's just be a state. Cause you know, why not? Like the United States seemed to be like a very good government because everything was very superficial. What we were seeing, you know, yes. we were seeing how great the United States, like how not great, but you know, the, we were seeing what a good, uh, financial, like, uh, monument, what the United States was and the benefits that came from being part of the United States. Um, but we were like, the, the face started to crack. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. we are seeing the cracks of what the United States actually is. Yeah, right it turned now. to a smoke and mirrors. Exactly. It was basically yeah. all smoke and mirrors. And that's yeah. what we were. And I feel like a lot of the, the political party that's going on, it's still sort of like they haven't taken that smoke out. They're still seeing what the potentials of benefits of being part of the United States could be. Whereas the United States is not in a great place right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, the yeah. U.S. is definitely not in a great place right now. So I don't understand why we want to be part of that. We that's, should just be like our own country and just try to figure it out for ourselves, much like many other places have done at this time and day. Like, yeah. Even California during some time when I was living here, they wanted to pass a ballot to separate themselves from the from the United States. You, you know what Absolutely. I mean? Even, even people who are pa actual people who, who are part of the United States don't want to be part of the United States. Yeah, absolutely. We are seeing it also with um, African-Americans and how they feel about their own country and how mm -hmm. their own country treats them, you know? Yeah. 
And that's something that we saw last year with the BLM movement, not the corporation, of course, but the movement per se, which is what moved a lot of us, you know, to sympathize with what they were going through, because we also see it, you know, they're doing it also to us ourselves. And that's something that I have brought up and I want to touch on real quick, because I think that a lot of times we hear from, not that they're any different from us, we're still the same people, but we live in different spaces and we have different points of view. But mm -hmm. we see from our diaspora, you know, conflicting ideas when it comes to how America sees people of color like us Puerto Ricans and also um, African-Americans for mm -hmm. that matter. If you compare their experiences to ours, it's almost similar. It's just that they are living post, uh, you know, the civil rights movement, and we're living before civil rights movement. We don't have the right to vote. We don't have the right to even vote for people that controls our money now with the oversight board, La Junta, that controls mm -hmm. our, money, our retirement and whatnot. So we are living before Martin Luther King, how African-Americans were before Martin Luther King. Yeah. So a lot of people have that confusion uh, when it comes to like the way America treats our communities and how much in common we actually have with this group of Americans that have experienced the same things and, and know what's up. What is your take on, you know, what we're seeing uh, when we come here and we see the African-Americans get treated just the same that we get treated in the island? Mm -hmm. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it... It's it's rough because it's like you know you see the disregard that the government is is um, the disregard that they are are placing on them. I don't know, that's probably like saying wrong, but you know what I mean. Like they're just being they're being pushed into like the poor areas. They're being kept there. The money is not being put into like better education, which is you know, it's like I don't understand. I, I don't I don't remember who said this, but you know you keep your 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 town your your the public dumb and you have control over them. So, you know, the, the gentrification and the, the, the zoning laws that uh, help, like, black people and people of color stay poor is just being kept in place by, like, you know, white people and white, white supremacy, people who are benefiting from white supremacy over here. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's tough because when you come over here, it's like, oh, you know, I guess we're not, <laughs> we're not treated that much different. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know what I mean. It's like okay, great. I thought I was going to be have better opportunities, and you know, have a better life, but I guess not. Yeah, yeah. And I want to ask you in regards of that. Do you think that our race as Puerto Ricans has uh, something to do with the treatment we get, or you think that's just simply, you know, America just being America, or just you know, a random thing? Or you think our race has something to do with that? I, it's, it's just, look, for us Puerto Ricans, it's just very difficult to say that race is the end all sort of deal. You know what I mean? Just because we come into so many different colors, you yeah. know what I mean? That we cannot really all attribute it to that. Just the fact that we, it, I think it's just the fact that we're left, like we don't speak English. We're, we're not native English speakers. We're outsiders from that point of view. You know what I mean? So when we come into the U.S., um, you know, I may not necessarily be treated the same as you would, for example, just because, yeah. you know, you're, you know, you're Afro-Caribbean and yeah. I am more white passing, but yeah. I don't consider myself as white. But you know what I mean? I, I probably won't get the same treatment that you would. Absolutely. But when I do speak up and when I try to talk, you know, if I like my accent is is not 
super thick like other people have. Yeah. Um, but still, like, there's still sort of an accent. And I have gotten from time to time, like, oh, where are you from? Oh, you, I can tell an accent. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, there's sort of like a conversation about it. And we also get a lot of, um, I've also noticed it from, because it's also tough because we get racism and, and we get uh, colorism and like some sort of discrimination from the Americans. But we also get it from other people in Latin American countries, which Absolutely. can come with because you know it can be fueled by maybe a little bit of jealousy or something like that just because we don't have to go the the same issues that they come from like yeah. come with because we already are like american citizens um so i feel like there's a lot of discrimination on that sense as well because like people are like oh we don't consider you like i feel like our black ancestry doesn't get accredited to us as much you know what yeah. i mean like if i tell people like oh like i want to celebrate you know my black culture and i want to celebrate my my african ancestry people will kind of like I, I imagine people will look at me weird because it's like yeah. oh but you look white like what do you mean you're you're not black you can't really be celebrating that i'm like um yes 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 i can you know what i mean my mom is not it's my mom's black i just came out a little white <laughs> so it's like I, I i feel like we like we go through like a different struggle to a sense, like people from Puerto Rico, because we yeah. are so mixed and we are so intertwined and we have so many different cultures and we, you know, upheld all of them. Like we honor our Spanish ancestry, we honor our Taino and native uh, native people ancestry, and we honor our black people industry because that's what makes us who we are. Yeah. And I feel like over here in the United States, you sort of at some point have to choose and it's kind of, it's kind of annoying. You know what I mean? Like, I only can, I guess, go with my, like, white ancestry because I look white. And I cannot partake in my, like, black ancestry hoots. And, or I cannot, you know, claim my native because I don't necessarily look native or don't have, like, a last name native. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. like, we do. We, you know, we, we're, we're just just as capable yeah, to uphold all that. Not only that, uh, it's funny that you, um, you know, that you know me personally. You know, I do um carry a lot of features of you know an afro-latina and you know i consider myself an afro-latina and in this circle we have a lot of people that would call me white <laughs> uh, <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> okay you know like in this circle we have other latinos that basically will even tell you that you know why you're trying to please uh you know like basically what they're telling us because i feel like Puerto Ricans are not known for what we're supposed to be known, which mm -hmm. is our culture. People don't know Puerto Rican culture. No. So. And that's weird because, um, like, we've it's not you, you know we haven't been part of the U.S. for like two years. It's been over a hundred years. There's definitely like the the whole you know uh, popular culture is we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. in this day and age, there's just no reason why people who live here in the U.S. Are, shouldn't be aware of who we are and what we stand for, what we're about. There's just yeah. no way. There's just and no And there's, there's a lot of, we, we call them the slow taps, which is like a sector of our, uh, this is like our Latino sector of YouTube. And mm -hmm. we have like this group of slow taps and Hispano taps that will literally tell you to your face, like there's no reason for you to not acknowledge your high admixture of you know caucasian descent and just mm -hmm. abide by that basically you know so and that is something that has been seen on and on and on they don't understand why mm -hmm. uh we defend 
all of our heritage, you know, a capa y espada. And they don't understand like, oh, like when we say, yes, I am Afro-Latina, they don't understand that that's also part of us. And we're not gonna look down on it because unfortunately we have a sector of our Latino community that looks down on uh, people of African descent. Mm -hmm. So that's basically looking down on us too. We have African descent and yep. that's disrespectful to us as well. Mm -hmm. So they basically tell us like, oh, like stop uh, pandering. They call it pandering, pandering. to, to African-Americans. I'm like, pandering? How are we pandering when we know exactly what they've been through? Because we're going through it. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, that ain't pandering. And it's something that, you know, it brings me to the question, why people don't know what Puerto Ricans are? You know, why do you think we're not that known, even though we have been here since the 1920s? I mean, there's like there's people in the center of the United States that don't know where any, any other of the states are. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like education <laughs> shouldn't be like it's not like great here. No, it's not. It's not. And we are. I don't know if this has happened to you, Jacob, but we are as Puerto Ricans, at least in, in the West. Uh, you find yourself in kind of like a social political limbo mm -hmm. because, you know, socially people don't know where to group you yep. as, a, as a collective and politically wise, people don't know how to feel about you. You're part of the United States, but you're not, you're a citizen, but you're not literally a state, but you know, you don't have to have certain obligations, but at the same time, you don't get all the benefits, but you get exploited in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, how have you felt that that has affected your life or not? Um, I mean, living over here, it hasn't necessarily like affected it in a negative way, like in a big way. It mm -hmm. has made it very uncomfortable. It has made it very just difficult sometimes to navigate and just annoying because like, why do I have to be explaining this to other people? But at the same time, when you think about it, that should already be a red flag. You know what I mean? If the yeah. people who live here don't know what the deal is with Puerto Rico, it means something's not working. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? If you can't easily explain what we are or who we are, then there's something wrong. You know what I mean? And yeah. I've definitely had that situation happen with many people from like Latin America who are like, who assume that, oh, just like, oh yeah, when did you come? Like, did you have to get the papers? I'm like, no, we don't get paper. Like, we don't, we don't need that. <laughs> oh my God. There's nothing you know more I mean? uncomfortable and hard to do. Yeah, because it's like, I also, it feel bad, you know? Yeah, I feel like Puerto Ricans, for the most part, that have been born in the island, one thing that we dread and hate to do is go get our license renewed oh or ID. Yeah. Going to the DMV and you feel like a fucking criminal because they take your birth certificate and cross-examine it against 50 different things and you have to spend extra two, three hours in there. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a freaking criminal. Yeah. And, you know, people just don't know this yeah. thing. The DMV. Even for uh, college. I when yeah. I applied, when I applied for college, uh, and I was like going through the process of uh, getting my student loans, they were treating me as a foreign student. What? Like they were, they were just talking to me and giving me all the options that they would give a foreign student. And then, like after a while, I was like, wait, wait, this is not sounding like this is not sounding what it should be. <laughs> like we're like we're domestic. Like we're it's, <laughs> you know we're part of the U.S. We don't need to go through this. Jesus I'm like, yeah, but like, yeah. It was like, it's always been sort of that deal where we have to tell people, and we have that several times, like with the DMV, with the government agencies, yes. um, with airlines at times, um, sometimes with like police officers, we've have yeah. to be like, um, no, like, 
we're part of the United States. We don't need to be going through the situation. Yeah. Have you ever been asked for a green card? Oh yeah, for sure. I've been yeah, asked for a green too. card. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you have a green card? I'm like, no, because I'm no, I don't need it. There was a Puerto Rican that sued the state of Georgia and won because he was refused a driver's license because he didn't have a green card. Mm -hmm. And he explained many times to the DMV lady, like, yo, I am an American citizen. I don't need a green card, but yes, I am Latino. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she could not get it. Yeah, and, and, and just, yeah, and, and uh, uh, like talking about on that, since you mentioned that, uh, when we, I just went from, like I came back from Brazil, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, when I was returning from Brazil um, during the line, people were talking in English to my mom because obviously, you know, you, when you show up your passport, mm -hmm. um, you show your passport, it's like an American passport. Yeah. Um, so they started to talk to her in English, but then my mom obviously doesn't speak a word of English. <laughs> um, like so mine. They, yeah, there was like a mind fuck there. There was like, they, 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 they couldn't like really handle it. So that I feel like they started asking us a bunch of questions and turning like, we're like, oh, are these bags yours? So I feel like that did get us a little bit profiled yeah into it because they're like wait they have like an american passport but they don't speak english what's going on you know what i mean <laughs> and it's like they don't understand that like our country doesn't really <laughs> yeah don't, like don't... our spanish is the first language of it yeah um, and... so yeah there was a little that was a little off-putting being put into that situation absolutely it's something like i said it, we're in, like literally a limbo in any space that uh we go you know i see that rakim here says uh it's still people here in america that don't know that puerto rico is a colony some people are so ignorant that they hear spanish and think other latinos are mexican yeah shaking my head yeah absolutely yep. have you been confused by a mexican or central american um jacob oh yeah for sure <laughs> we're all mexican <laughs> at the end of the day we're, you know? yeah we're all mexican <laughs> like the, like mexico is the only spanish-speaking country for you sure but i think it was around 2017 when i started when people would asked me if I was Mexican, I started saying yes, because I really did not have the energy to explain to them that not everybody that speaks Spanish is Mexican. So yep. we're all Mexican at this point, you know, like yeah. you get tired of being asked that question. I'm like, yep. you ask me if I'm Mexican, yeah, I'm Mexican, whatever. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's just insane. Now, um, we've seen we've talked a lot about uh corruption we've talked a lot about you know the systems in puerto rico that are falling apart mm -hmm. uh, you know and and also we have talked about the status now here in the diaspora uh look ramon says that he has been asked about mexican food People oh for ask sure you, oh like, oh, you, you like spicy right i'm like no <laughs> We don't do spice. What do you mean? They're like, oh wait, yeah. but, but you don't but like spice. But you're Mexican. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm like, we don't eat chile. We don't like it. No, like it. No, no gusta. <laughs> we are the non-spicy Latinos. No, now, we eat spices, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, one thing I would say, um, what do you think? Uh, you know, will be as a diaspora because we are forced to, you know, be here either if you like it or not. We have to be here because here's where the opportunities are as limited as they can be. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where the opportunities are at. So for now, we have to camp here for a minute. So what do you think um, should be our next steps 
and you know making something happen to you know because i know we have to get the junta out of the way yeah that is our main that is our main goal you know we have to get those fuckers out of our country mm -hmm. we have to take back our right to vote mm -hmm. uh, for the people that rule us and my thing is what could possibly be a solution what can we as diasporans do uh if something that you know comes you know uh at the top of your head what could be a possible action that we can take in the micro and the macro <laughs> mm -hmm. to actually uh get you know the engine started so that we can get our people in the position not only that they were before in the 90s on our golden years but better i feel like initially like us as the diaspora we should you know have a little bit more involvement in local politics and like local governments because i feel like if we put pressure into our own government wherever it is that we're living in to take a look at puerto rico and keep an eye on because like I feel like the farther away from the East Coast that you get, the less important our issues are yeah. to to the government. You know what I mean? So yeah. if we who live there speak up about the issues that we're having, you know, we'll have people in every state, like every Puerto Rican who lives in every state saying to the government, you should talk to like D.C. and, you know, put our word back over there so we can... You know, so we could actually have a voice because we have like what is it? Those people that um, what's the name of them? Um, the lobbyist Jennifer Gonzalez. No, the oh, Jennifer. the the congresswoman. Yeah, yeah. The, so the, the, these people that have like absolutely zero effects. Yeah, literally, on, she's a non-voting. Yeah, she's, she's a like, non-voting member. Yeah, yeah it's like whatever. They have zero power. Nobody listens to them. But I feel like if we, the people who are here in the United States, speak up about what needs to happen, like we need to tell the government, look, listen to Puerto Rico. Either either make them a state or just let them go. We need to tell our people in government in like be it California and whatever state you live in that they need to pay attention to Puerto Rico and that they need to make a decision about what our status is. You know what I mean? We need to force them individually here to pay attention to us because they're not definitely not paying attention to the people who they should be, which are like Jennifer Gonzalez or whatever, who are the ones who are like actively working in the government. Yeah, absolutely. I even I don't know if you saw recently when the because the same thing is happening to Guam. The thing is like we don't know a lot about it because mm -hmm. Guam is only what one hundred sixty thousand people. Yeah, they're like a speck in the on Earth. We're mm -hmm. we were four million before. Now we're like close to twelve million people in the world, mm -hmm. uh, and people still don't know us. Imagine one hundred sixty k. Uh, I see that Ramon says, Jennifer, la que siempre anda en campaña por la estadidad. Everything, right. that's something that we have said that, you know, everything will be solved with statehood, according to her. Mm. Yeah, now, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but one thing um, I want to touch on um, before we start wrapping this up, um, mm -hmm. you know, is that, you know, with the whole thing uh, regarding putting pressure uh, there are three main things, and I want to know if you agree with me, but there are three main demands that we should be doing. First is, you know, get rid of the oversight board. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know. Yeah, we need to take control back of our own country. Absolutely. Those, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, second, we need to demand that the federal government prosecutes the two major parties and mm -hmm does a RICO case on them because they yep. are a criminal organization. I refuse to 
uh, call them political parties anymore. They are mm -hmm. criminal organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, second of all, I mean, third of all, after that, is pay attention to our status. If you want a colony, you got to pay for your colony. Correct. If, if you're not going to pay, then you got to let us go because you can't afford a colony. Correct. And do you agree with those three points? Do you think we should add one more item? What do you think? Or you think that the hierarchy or the order of those should be? I shaped? feel like that's the beginning. I, I feel like that's the beginning. Like we definitely need to get control back of our country, take the La Junta out. And just basically anything that everything that you mentioned is like the correct order. Because like at the end of the day, you know, we first has to like have control for them, uh, for then to tell them, okay, now let's sit down and if you wanted to keep us fine we need to reevaluate this contract that we have between each other because mm -hmm. like you know we have to take out la ley la ley de, de cabotaje there's mm -hmm. a, a lot of things that are crippling us that are not beneficial for us so that makes you know we cannot be a self-governing country and, and 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 part of the united states if you are basically lackeys like we're not we're not like a we're not cattle yeah me to like you know what i mean yeah yeah, basically, we have been like the kind of father of everything. And and to be honest with you, like I said, uh, with what we were discussing earlier regarding, you know, uh, the whole social political limbo that we are, it doesn't matter where we go, Puerto Ricans seem to always get the turkey's ass, you know, in any circle, mm -hmm. in any circle, you know, and, and I think this is the start. And it's something that I wanted to bring someone, um, not that I'm discrediting, uh, you know, the Rican diaspora, mm -hmm. but, you know, I wanted to bring someone that was actually born in that place uh, so that, you know, because we actually live through the consequences of what mm -hmm. the United States what's did happening, with right. us. Exactly. So, and we have family over there. Our whole mm -hmm. families are there. The reason why we're here is the result of all the policies that we live through. Because mm -hmm. if we would have been able to have all the opportunities we have out here, I'm 100% sure we wouldn't have come here in the first oh, place. Oh, for sure. You know, sure. so um, I wanted to bring, you know, someone other than myself uh, that could actually share the same sentiment uh, that we all, all of us Puerto Ricans have uh, because of all the damage that we have experienced in the last 30 to 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to thank you very much uh, for, you know, giving me your precious time. I know, you know, you're doing like 50 things at the same time. <laughs> Uh, and like I said nice. yesterday, I know you came out of a very demanding, uh, you know, play that you were doing, like a mini film and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and you still took the time to be here with us and, you know, share your thoughts. So I want to thank sure. you for that. And, you know, anytime, uh, you know, you're always welcome here on Latin Splain or not explaining home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, also i don't know if uh the people on you know on the chat has a question for jacob um and you know type it in and i can ask him but definitely um aside from what we have discussed today you know um i see that jose says thank you denise and jacob the interview was informative um yeah definitely you know one thing that i want to uh, leave this interview with uh, Jacob today is, mm -hmm. you know, it's time for us to unite. It's time for yeah. us to, you know, forget our differences. And I've said it even on the stream called Puerto Rico for Dummies. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's time for even our diaspora to start getting in touch with the reality of our people, because not only natural resources or, you know, finances are being taken away, our culture as mm -hmm. you know, we're the living example that our culture is being has never been put out. And it's the little bit that has been is getting erased mm -hmm. uh, to the point that people right now doesn't know us other than, you know, for Bad Bunny. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> uh, do you feel the same way? What are your last thoughts of today? You know, um, yeah, I that, feel like. Yeah, I feel like us as like the diaspora that's living here, we should be kind of like, you know, when when you have like when you have kids and, and at some point your kids end up taking care of the parents. We as the diaspora need to be looking out for our country. You know, we left our country to look for more opportunities. And I'm pretty sure at least the big majority of us at some point have the hope to go back to our country. You know what I mean? And and do something for our country. Like I came here with the with the view of like I wanted to get educated. I wanted to create opportunities for myself so that I could have the name and the the financial means or just the 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 like you know, I just I just needed I needed something to bring back to my country to make sure that it was better than what I left it. And Absolutely. like we living here have, you know, the 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 benefit of voting for the presidency and you know other things that probably people who live in Puerto Rico don't have. So we need to take advantage of that. We need to put our vote, make our voices heard, make sure that people know who we are, what we stand for, and to pay attention to us. Because we live here. We should be taking care of our country the way that people in, who stayed in Puerto Rico cannot, unfortunately. So it's up to us to make sure that we're speaking up for ourselves and we're speaking up for the needs of our country living here so far away. Absolutely. We're the Puerto Rico's Avengers. Yeah. And, basically. You know, basically, that's the way I see it. And, you know, it's something that it, it, as funny as it sounds, that's how it's supposed to be. It is the sentiment that I always love to share, not only with Puerto Ricans and diaspora here holding the the front, but also with all Latin America, mm -hmm. uh, because it's happening in different ways. The American yeah. empire affects all Latin America one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So it has been a pleasure. Um, I hope okay. to have you back here um, sometime in the future. For I sure. want to encourage everybody uh, to follow my dear friend, uh, basically my brother, uh, Jacob Fuentes, uh, on his Instagram, Jack Fuet. His uh, Instagram is linked in the description below. Make sure you follow Jacob on his ventures, on his plant. Uh, you know, he has Mostly a vast. Plants, yeah. <laughs> yes, his plants are amazing. If you love nature, if you love to stay educated when it comes to, you know, the fauna and the flora in Puerto Rico, most of the flora, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, I have learned a lot and I he even made me fall in love with plants. Because he knows that when he visits me over here, I have silk plants. I cannot keep a plant alive, even if it costs me my life. <laughs> so, you know, he he has, you know, changed that aspect in me. So, guys, you want to follow uh, Jacob Fuentes. Like I said, his Instagram is linked in the description below. Thank you very much, Jacob. It has been a pleasure. Have an excellent night. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you in. so much. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.